launch into step two. If none of you, any of you have not been here before, what we do, we just take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by these authors has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So because it's their testimony, I'm not going to tell you what it says, because what it says to you is none of my business, but I will tell you what it says to me. And I'll encourage you to have your experience with it, and if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? And we're in step two, so we're going to encounter power. So we want to be in chapter four if you're following along in a book. It's always a good idea to follow along in a book. That way you're not letting someone else read your book for you. And chapter four is a little chapter entitled We Agnostics. Who's we? First 100. First 100 who have recovered. Right? Okay, you always want to know that when they mention a we in this thing and we think we're we and then my experience doesn't align with theirs and I go, well, they're wrong or I'm right and then I don't get the outcome they write about. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so it says in the preceding chapters you've learned something of alcoholism. So have you in the preceding chapters last week's stuff learned a little bit about alcoholism? How many of you learned a lot more about alcoholism out there actively drinking? but maybe needed some components you learned here or when you encountered some treatment professional? Okay, all right. So some of it is, it's, we're aligning this experience with the lived experience we have. How many of you learned what they were talking about with this little allergy thing? How many of you were confused about that allergy thing until someone cleared it up for you? Anyone here know what we're talking about? The doctor says we may have the, this manifestation of an allergy manifest as a craving beyond my mental control. And we don't explain that to people, and then they get confused. But I must believe that in order to seek healing. So what, what is that allergy, that abnormal reaction? Do I have a drinker in the house? Yes. <laughs> when you drink, do you find that alcohol energizes you? Yes. It's a sedative. So a doctor witnessing that would say, my, that's an abnormal reaction to a sedative. Where's my opiate addicts? Need I say more? <laughs> you get a little energetic when you get a bump of that stuff, huh? Where's my methamphetamine addicts? Calm you down? Okay, so that's the allergic reaction they're talking about. It's not breaking out in handcuffs. I know we chuckle about things like that, but we literally have an abnormal reaction to things that we ingest, yes? Okay, all right, so says, we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. We just made it clear. If that happens to you, that never happens in the average temperate user. Okay? So if, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, is that true? They said entirely, Lance. Okay? Or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, is that true for you? Which did you discover first? Sean doesn't have all the answers. He just got all the answers for Sean. How many of you didn't learn until you, you thought you were controlling it or you weren't controlling it on purpose? So some people come in that way and some people don't even know that they can't stop till they try and stop entirely. And Yes? Okay. All right, so... 
So if that be the case, you're probably alcoholic. Notice how they didn't declare us or diagnose us. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So they're trying to dish you some truth. A lot of people read past it. A lot of people try and intellectualize it, whatever. What we're saying is I have a spiritual problem. That's why they call alcoholic spirits. We call it alcohol spirits. I have a spiritual issue, a deficit, it would seem, <laughs> that I'm desperately trying to fill. <laughs> so the only thing that's going to do me any good, I'm not going to live abstinent well. So I'm going to have to find another source of spiritual uplift that is not quite so destructive to the lives of myself and others. Does this make sense? Okay. So it says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So do we have some people here that maybe in that class feel they're atheist or agnostic or at one time did feel that way? Okay. So it does seem impossible if you think you've got to go from zero to 60, right? That's why we have a come to believe step. We come, we come to, then we come to believe. Right? That's why they call it an awakening. Okay. So, but to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you can't get into the spiritual solution thing, but to continue as you were doing an active addiction definitely means disaster? That's all we need to do. All we need to do is believe we're sick. Right? Okay. All right, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Why does Sean find that so humorous? <laughs> have, you, have you been in that quandary? Happy, joyous, and free. Attic death. Pick one. Can I get back to you? Give me another two days. I'll be right on it. Okay. So we're just talking about this mental twist. Desperately in trouble. Maybe not that bad. Right? Okay. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So what type? They're telling us of their demographics. Yeah. Half the original fellowship were atheists or agnostics. Believe there was no God or God could not be proven to exist. What would the other half have had to have been? Believers or claiming to be believers still dying in their addictions. So does that sort of suit everybody? Maybe I believe, maybe I don't believe, or I really believe, but I'm a shit show. Okay. Okay. All right. So it isn't so difficult, but half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At, forced, at first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope that we were not true alcoholics. So how many of you got there? And you know what they're talking about? How many of you forever and ever thought you kept running back into addiction as a choice? And then you got self-condemning because you... So what we're trying to tell you is they always call it the insanity of the first drink, the insanity of the first drug. The insanity precedes the taking of the drug. It's not the crazy stuff that happens after we take the drug. That's just the crazy shit that happens to people who take drugs. Okay. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis alive or else. 
So we don't know when that's going to happen, but we're going to try and set up an encounter with power tonight. And if we can bounce you between nothing but hope and hopelessness, maybe you'll have said encounter tonight. When you do, I'll know. I'll call it to your attention. Because we'll feel the spirit move when that happens. Right? All right. So perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows you need not be disconcerted. A lot of power in those words. This is a book of their experience. Half of them thought that God did not exist. God could not be proven to exist. But their experience of God changed their mind. They did not remain atheist or agnostic. Regardless of how many times in the fellowship people tell you that, that is not what the first 100 witnessed to. And they just clearly said it right there. You can stay where you are, but who of us runs around saying, the floor's the limit? Okay. So our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you changed your philosophies and your... How many of you have found you lack the power to live up to them? Okay. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. I like to call your attention to that line, too, because it always struck me as profound. I often get in thought and emotional storms. Like, I know it's not doing me any good to keep obsessing about what a bunch of sons of bitches, whoever it is, is. (laughs) But I can't get out of it. Have you ever been there? They witnessed to encountering a power to philosophically comfort them. That's what I used chemicals for, folks. Interesting, isn't it? So it's not, it's, if it's going to, some of you felt that. I don't know who went with me, but some of you felt that's not happening up here, that's happening in you. That's the power we call God around here. Power to philosophically comfort. Okay. All right, so our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. They put that in italics because they want us to emphasize that to our... How many of you are just going to not pick up no matter what? How many of you determined that that was not as good a plan as it once seemed? Because the same guy who's not going to pick up no matter what is the same guy that thinks he overreacted and picks up no matter what. (laughs) So it had to be a power greater than ourselves, and we know this through collective experience. That's what they're saying. Now we're having they're helping us feel in a fellowship here, obviously. But where and how are we to find this power? So they are now questioning. I need this power. Where and how am I to find this power? Any of you ever get there? Just start questioning your own behavior, your own thoughts. Where? How many of you were looking in? I need to change my relationship. I need to change my job. I need to trade in my car. I need new clothes. So we're looking outside. But let's go to page 55. 
Let's go to page 55 because we hate to leave, especially a room that might have a lot of meth addicts in the room. We don't like to leave you hanging. We'll go right to where, and then meth addicts take apart the furniture. We just got new chairs, man. <laughs> so, page 55, actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Oh, that's so good, Mike. Mike's been coming for years, and he knows when we say God, because half the original fellowship are atheists or agnostics, so that people's prejudice isn't alerted, power and God are interchangeable to those of us living in the power of God. Make sense? Okay. So, it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. What is there? Power. Power. We got to get that that's interchangeable. Where did they say it was found? Deep down inside. Is everyone in this room, either man, woman, or child? Then it's true for you too. Right? Notice how they did not say your idea of God was found inside you. So you don't need to create the creator. No matter how many workbook exercises people have given you to do that. They were wrong. God's idea of you is found inside of you. The creator had an idea before he created, and you're that idea. So what we'd like to do is get in alignment with the purpose for which I was created. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to look inside to find out the purpose for which I was created. Because when I find the purpose, the power to carry it out will immediately be available. Some of you are feeling that. Okay, that's the power we call God. Now we're talking about sensory, tangible power, and you understand why I would seek then to improve consciousness. There you go, John. See, you're feeling better already, aren't you? All right, all right. So, um, for faith and power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that some kind of God was a part of our makeup. Some kind of power was a part of our makeup, just as much as a feeling we have for a friend. So they're calling our attention to how we come to know the reality of God, and that is the sensory nature of the spirit within us. We got a, Bill was a stock analyst who was a devout atheist, sort of turned to agnostic. And when he wrote this book, sort of prophetically, he was laying out a case like he was trying to sell stock in a company. It's more logical to believe than not to believe based on my experience. And he methodically walks us through how we start coming into awareness of a power in and on our lives. So how many of you have had a friend? Two of you? <laughs> how did that friend make you feel? We're not telling you that God is a feeling. We're telling you your awareness of the feeling is the power we call God. How are you going to witness powerfully about the experiences you've been redeemed from if you can't experience those emotions and use them to change the lives of the people God's put in front of you? Does it make sense? So we're going to improve consciousness, so I know I'm not the emotion, but I know my creator is experiencing the emotion, not me, so I can just bear witness. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So, says it, we finally saw that some kind of God was part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly 
but he was there, capital H. So we went from a concept to a reality. Once I found the purpose, there was the power. Where did we go looking? And how do we have to look? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. So now the process is starting to make sense, right? Why would I make a decision to embark on a searching and fearless moral inventory of me? Because I desperately need power. I'm not doing the inventory to tell you gnarly things about me. I'm doing an inventory so I can learn the truth about me. Not my truth, not your truth, the truth. There's a difference. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so he was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. Why am I going to learn to walk in conscious awareness of this power in my life through prayer and meditation? Because it's only there that he may be found, and I need philosophical comfort all day, every day, as I go along. Does that make sense? This is, a, this is an easy group, Sean. <laughs> Love it. They're perfect. We handpicked them all. Okay, so we're back to page 45. So, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. How many of you got sober and found out, although your addiction problem wasn't there, others cropped up? And although the, the God that delivered you from certain death definitely cannot handle my arrangements with my employer. And we start looking outside trying to arrange the lights again, don't we? It's only here. Okay. So that's why we got a manner of living, not a one and done. I was never a one and done guy at the trap house. I ain't going to be a one and done guy. Okay. All right, so, so, so it says, that means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about power. If lack of power is my dilemma, we better talk about power. We better do more than talk about it, but we better be about it, right? Okay, all right, so here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. So guys, if you're working with people, we talk to people like the fellowship's the program, and I know people think I'm being silly, but we have a fellowship where you can come, if you just have a desire, you can be spun like a monkey and come in here, and if you don't make too much noise, we'll let you sit. <laughs> but that's the fellowship. The manner of living is going to require not only sobriety, but spiritual inebriation, so it's ebbing and flowing in and through me so that God's people can find me. Does it make sense? Okay, so we're going to explain our fellowship. We've got a place where whatever you got going on is okay with us. Come and, come and sit with us and we'll introduce you to the one who restores, right? All right, so, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For we've reopened a subject which our man thought he'd neatly evaded or entirely ignored. How many of you are in that class? Some of us that come from a more religious background, even if it wasn't overly religious, that's where we live. Oh, I already blew that. Anybody? Okay. So I just 
Maybe they maybe he didn't see that. So it says we know how he feels. This is the thing, this whole new freedom thing, guys, those of you watching online, the whole reason there's magic in new freedom is because it's the pure model that's centuries old. Not, not just as old as AA, it's as old as peer mentorship. It's as old as apprenticeship. Somebody who knows how to do, because they learned through learned experience, to walk through difficulties is going to sit down beside you and say, I know what you're going through. You can still, you, I wouldn't have been sent to you if you didn't have the power to carry it out. I'm going to walk with you. When you start lying to yourself, I'll tell you it's a lie. <laughs> right? That's what we do. Who's had a spiritual awakening and does all the steps and works with others? We don't give them answers, do we? we tell, the answer's for you and you. You want to pray? Let's pray together. You already know the answer. That's why you're struggling. <laughs> yeah, that's an ouch. That's right. Very good. Trina knows if it, if, it, if it sits with you good, you say amen. If it sits with you bad, you say ouch. <laughs> okay, so we've shared his honest out and prejudice. If you're new, that's your only obligation to yourself. If you really want a different life, you need to share your honest out and prejudice. If you will, we can assure you you'll get well. And if you won't, you'll get what you get. Not, we're, we're not without empathy. We also lack the power to compete with drugs and alcohol and those types of things. That's not what we're here to do. Okay, so some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anyone here comes from that camp? Okay, I get it. To, to others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. How many of you got hurt by a church or by church folk? Anybody? So we will, at first apologize to you for that. We're sorry that people have harmed you, but the power that animates people doesn't want you harmed. And, and we're hoping we can put that experience that you had to use because we don't want it replicated. Don't treat people the way you've been treated. Let's meditate on how we'd like to be treated if the roles were reversed. And then let's seek power to do that. Okay? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? There you go. That's the power we call God. I told you he wouldn't invade this space today. <laughs> All right, so perhaps we've eject, rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you didn't think that some of the doctrines you'd learned about were adequate for what you were experiencing? Okay. With that rejection, we imagined we'd abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. Any of you bothered with that thought or bothered with declaring it even if you had it? Some of us have. See, the whole idea of 12-step recovery is that you're going to get redeemed and then you're going to get honest with yourself. If you didn't have the power to redeem yourself, something else greater than you did it. And you're going to give whatever that is the credit and he will reveal himself to you. That's what the whole book talks about. So if you don't start doing that, the revelation that's promised won't come. Does it make sense? Some of you that are students of that other book, By the Blood of the Lamb, what he did, in the word of my testimony. My only part is to bear witness and tell you truthfully, I didn't have the power to get off that scrap heap. I had the power to get on the scrap heap. I'm particularly good at getting on scrap heaps. Okay. So we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. 
The world can make us hard. Yes? Calamity, pomp, and worship. Ideas that were given to us, beat into us, whatever, can make us very hard. They can also make us very purposeful. Make sense? Okay. So we looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Question mark. In this book, because it's written as a text, when they put a question mark, that's a question you want to ask yourself. So you may not word it quite that way, but if you've ever been in the place of, you know, why me? Why does it look this way? How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Have you ever pondered that? We want you to get introspective now because eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. We want you to have your eyes opened and then walk in it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Question mark. Sean gave it up. Supreme being could comprehend. How many of us spend a lot of time trying to comprehend that which is incomprehensible? That ought to be evidence in and of itself that you are a child of a supreme being. Because all children aspire to be like dad. Even when they don't have a good relationship with dad. Some of you felt that. Yet in other moments we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? Question mark. So how many of you have been awe-inspired in nature? Had almost an awe out-of-body experience, like you felt like you were watching yourself have this experience. They're going to describe it. There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Did you ever try and capture it and hold on to it and it still left you? We've got to get this point. is real important. So any of you, follow me here. If you haven't done that, how many of you have been in a dangerous situation? I should see a lot more hands than this. I know where I am. When you were in this car wreck, this gunfight, this whatever, did you notice how time seemed to slow down? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. That's one of the names we use for this power. How many of you have been athletic? Of course, my meth addicts, you guys were hopping fences. And <laughs> wiggling, yeah. You ever make the perfect play, the perfect catch, the perfect shot, the perfect dive, whatever, perfect throw? Do you notice how when you were actually in the process of that, there was no thought or effort, no doubt? You knew. You saw yourself doing it. You may have had lots of practice up to that point, but when you were in it, everyone else knew it was impossible, and you knew you were going to make it. Are you with me in that spot? When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. That's another one of the names of this sensory power. Those are ways we've had visitation of the reality of this power we call God. Did everyone who wanted to have one of those or multiple of those experiences? Okay, because we can't go further if you haven't, because the next thing is affirming. Yes, we of agnostic temperament had had these thoughts and experiences. So now what they're saying is if you say yes, you know enough about God to get started. You know he's real, and you know he dwells in you. That's all you need to know. And then you're going to do your inventory, and you're going to find your power and purpose. Make sense? Okay. So let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we're able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, 
we commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God. So now they're using those interchangeably now because we are evangelists but not by our talk, by our walk. And then when we're asked how someone as hopeless as me can be doing the things they see me doing, then I tell them the only way that's possible is through the power of God. And I have credibility. Right? Okay. Um, but none of us can fully define or comprehend that power because that power does what that power does. Right? Okay. So, it says, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. So you don't need to believe what I believe. You just need to be honest with yourself and believe what you believe. And you may find that some of your own beliefs get in your way because you're trying to define or comprehend that which cannot be defined or comprehended, but the process will reveal that to you. Right? So our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. Why is it my job to make a contact with him? Because he's been trying to contact me all my life and I have ignored the knock. So I'm going to have to open the door. Okay. All right, so who is it exactly? For you math addicts, you have to take a risk. <laughs> as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So now they're talking, well, we began to be possessed of. It flows through me, but it is not of me. Does it make sense? Because some people see the word possessed and they go straight to, you know, spinning heads and green vomit. That's not, not possessed by, possessed of. I have access to power properly utilized that allows me power and purpose in my walk. Make sense? Okay. And it says, provided there was a promise and a condition, the condition was that I took other simple steps. What might those be? Yeah, we're in two. Perhaps make a decision and carry it out. Right? Okay. So we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirits broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. And we're talking about the family of men, so that we're not accused of being sexist. This is just written at a different time. Okay? So, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. We're not trying to change your mind about who God is. That's God's job. We're trying to change your mind about the fact that it's so important what your idea is anyway your ideas of what have caused the problem. So we need to come to believe there's a power greater in ourselves. Now I will tell you, we come to believe in illness before we come to believe in power. So those of you who just aptly will not come to believe there's a power greater than you, what are you doing in a 12-step recovery fellowship? I'm not, this isn't theology. If you don't think heroin, methamphetamine, fentanyl, alcohol, cocaine, or a power greater than you, you got no business in our rooms. We don't need you preaching the gospel of fentanyl. Get out there and live it like a monk. 
But if I know those things are a power greater than me, then perhaps there's a power greater than that. And if I'll go through the process, maybe I'll come too. Fair enough? Okay. All right. So it says, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. The answers for you are in you. It's not for us to convince you of anything. If this book is confusing to you, get a dictionary. Look it up and see. Don't change the words. Change your mind. Find something that makes sense in light of your experience. I would suggest that to you with any book. The guys that did this, folks, did not take the 12 steps. They had the five principles of the Oxford group, and they had the Bible. And they studied the Bible for a number of years, and they found out their experience was remarkably similar to people in antiquity. And then they described the experience they had, and in order to market it, to lay out a case why it makes more logic to believe than not to believe, Bill came out with 12 steps that he describes the experience and basically seven levels of consciousness into an awakened state. Make sense? Okay. And if anyone tells you less, they're just not reading the history. They're making that shit up. <laughs> we do this this way because back then, for 15 years, from 39 to 1955, they had a 65% plus efficacy, including a world war in the middle. Now we have less than 10% efficacy. And the only difference is we took the power out. The power is truth. Not your truth, not my truth, the truth. Make sense? Okay. All right. So at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. So over the years, people have said, this is a God of my understanding. Nope, that's not what they said. It's God as they understood him. This is their testimony. And what they understood God to be was this sensory experience, this life-changing encounter, this power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing into it. That's what they understood. That's why they call it a conscious relation, the awareness of being aware of that power in and on me. And that's how I know who you are, because when we encounter and talk, I know you, though I don't know you, because of that same confirmation I get in the spirit. How many of you know that's true? Okay. So we're going to walk in conscious relation, which is going to allow us to find people who need an uplift. Make sense? Okay. So afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. Start where you are. That is where God will meet you. Don't let anyone tell you different. But don't stay where you are, because the floor is not the limit. Okay? All right, so we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Back to my original thing. If you are even willing to believe that heroin or criminal behavior or whatever is troubling you is a power greater than you, then, then we got a shot. We're good. Okay? And if not, then you're just not ready. Okay? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. So you want a second step experience? You don't need anyone else. You and your maker look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. And there's a likelihood you're going to get a confirmation. And if you do, stop me and tell me about it because I love hearing about it because I feel I'm with you.
Yeah? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, so it, it's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. What is that cornerstone? My willingness to believe. That's all that's required. I need to stand on that. Because willingness is divine power. They'll talk to us more about that later. Okay, so that was great news to us, for we assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. Have you ever seen somebody who was living a desirable life and they were giving credit to God and you didn't find them offensive, but you also found it unattainable from where you were standing? If we're honest, all of us have had that experience. So what we're telling you is there was a process through which they went through to be so highly refined in the spirit that you recognized the spirit in them and thought it was the flesh. And, and I'm just telling you, it's, it is what it is. Sometimes, you know, we don't talk about the process. We get anointed before we get appointed. Come listen to chap preach on Saturday. So you can go in the Bible and you see that, that, that David was anointed long before he was appointed. There was a lot of hiding and battles and stuff. So many of us have had a lot of hiding and battles and stuff and all of it was preparing you for your appointment but I guarantee you if you're in here you're, you're anointed. <laughs> so it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness and unreasoning prejudice. Any of you ever had that going on? In recovery rooms, I used to hear it a lot. I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. <laughs> Any of you ever heard that? How many of you have been around long enough to have heard it? We're not sensitive because we're alcoholic, but because I am alcoholic, my sensitivity is killing me. Why would I want to improve consciousness to learn that I am not my emotion? I am not my thought. I am the experiencer of thought and emotion, and I can move in that power, right? Okay, but at this phase, it may not be as evident. There's the process to go, right? It's going to involve serving others. It's going to be involve questioning judgment. Okay. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. So they're talking to us now about the process, the early process of taking captive the thought. If you're bristling with antagonism about somebody's ideas they're presenting with you, where is the bristling coming from? You. Deep down inside you. So something within your spirit is being stirred. That doesn't mean it's correct or incorrect, but it has nothing to do with what's happening external to you. Does it make sense? Which is why we're going to keep moving and growing in it. Okay, though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. How many of you, as you grew in the spirit, we're able to act out less even though the thought still came. That's what it looks like to cast out the feeling even though I'm still thinking, I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. <laughs> but what comes out is how can I help you? <laughs> the thought didn't go, but the feeling went. I've been empowered to act better than I think. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 
That's how you start to know the tangible reality that we call God. Okay? So faith with faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we'd tried to be on other questions. How many of you had that kind of cracking open? Like you really weren't terribly spiritual, rejected most things religious, and then all of a sudden you started realizing, you know, I could make up a hell of a story and I still can't discover how to tell anybody about how come I went from that guy to this guy. So I'm going to have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah? Okay. All right. So in this, this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. How many of you were persuaded by alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine? That's why we don't, that's not our role. Remember, we don't, we don't get out of our lane in recovery. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. They use these words to help us. How many of you, when you were in your addiction, never saw light, never can remember that dark place vaguely? It's almost like another life. Probably, probably wasn't even me living it. I know it wasn't me living it. That man's dead. There's a new man. Right? And, and we start to realize that as we walk it out, huh? Okay. All right. So we hope no one will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. How many of you have that going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was saved. Sure, I was saved. But why, why do I need to know that for my next job? Why do I need to know that whether I should date her or not? I met her in detox. She's a dream girl. Yeah. <laughs> Hit a nerve. <laughs> We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Remember the question mark rule. Why do we all believe in electric theory Sean, in his eloquent way, is describing how he experienced the effects. <laughs> so they've never asked us to come to believe in anything that we have not experienced the effects of. Why did we have that thing where we ask you, did you experience your consciousness, your intuitive self, awe and wonder? Because if you've acknowledged you've experienced his effects, then you're ready. You've had your encounter. Now you're going to improve that. Does that make sense? Okay. okay, so it says simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. So the inventory process is going to give me a reasonable explanation of what I'm seeing, feeling, using, accessing on the daily, power to live, to explain it to someone else who des desperately needs to tap into that well, which is the purpose I discovered I'm supposed to go fulfill. Okay. All right, so everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? So when we, they wrote this book, it was obvious to them, but even in the digital age, visual proof is definitely, I mean, 
we all know the reality of unicorns and, right, yetis and, right? Because I've seen them. I've seen pictures. And sometimes things, have you ever met people who did not look quite like their filtered photo? Any proponents of dating apps here? <laughs> it's constantly being revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence, right there our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. So they're talking about how we're plagued with doubt. I know they use a lot of words to get there, but regardless of what our beliefs or our profession is, we, we're plagued with doubt when things get rough. Yeah? But all of it's a process, all of it's perfecting us, all of it's moving us to our appointment. Does it make sense? So, so at the cellular level, we're all action-reaction. These tiny bodies are what I'm made up of, what you're made up of. How many of you have found within you the power to be kinder than you feel? So there is an all-powerful, guiding, simple proof within you, no one telling you, no one preaching to you. It's happened in you, it's happened for you, probably before you asked for it. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says, we read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. I love that, Mike, because obviously the universe needs power to explain it, because look at it. But the minute we substitute God, it raises up our prejudice. So we need to be sensitive to that. Right? When we're talking to people, we're talking about power. We're not talking about a theology. We're talking about a relationship with the power that animates you. That's a handy little trick to know if those things at the trap house have been animating you for the last 10 years. <laughs> but there's something I know a little something about. I don't know where all of them are now, but I guarantee you I know how to find them if I, if I were to go off kilter. <laughs> I'm drawn to them. Them in bushes. Um, <laughs> were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? Question mark. So what we want to do is unpack that, because we read through, I just, yeah, 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 vain, yeah. <laughs> Alpha and Omega, the beginning. How many of you were involved in the decision to bring yourself into the world? And how many of you had parents that may have made that decision without your consultation? So you know nothing of the beginning, wherever it took place. Can we agree? 
How many of you watched a lot of your partners die out there doing the very things you were doing? How many of you even tried to take yourself a few times and didn't work? How many of you just stayed in your addiction because I'll never get out and I'll just do suicide on the installment plan? But one day you're out. So you don't know much about the end either. And if you're like me, you don't know a hell of a lot about the middle. <laughs> so it would be rather vain of me to think that I'm all that when my life experience has taught me that I am not all that. Right? Okay. So we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. We've learned that whatever the human frailties of the various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. All they're talking about, guys, is when everything's going my way, I'm thinking, man, am I great. <laughs> and when things don't go well, I'm thinking, why are these son of a bitches always... Why does God hate me? So it's only good when I think it's good? Am I ready to receive my appointment when I haven't gone through the process from my anointing to my appointing? Probably not, because the ego is still in the way. Guys, we've taught for years that I turn it over and I take it back. And I suggest to you, you don't got a very powerful God if you're snatching things out of his hand. What we really have is God's will, which has no opposite, and my opposition to it, which I'm trying to shed. I'm trying to learn to live yielded. And it's a process. Okay, so actually we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. How many of you struggled in recovery or in your church and then you'd go back and at least there would be that one friendly face and that hand outstretched? So we know the experience of, I see it's working for somebody. Something's working for somebody. It's not working for me, but I'm grateful they're here. That's all they're talking about, where, where that happens for you. Um, it says, instead we look at the human defects of these people and sometimes use their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. You ever just decide to quit it all because the way you felt, the way people treated you, real or imagined? Okay. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. That's the funny thing about judgment. I'm the only one that suffers from my judgment. Because it's happening to me. And whatever I'm judging and calling to their attention... At a minimum, I'm judging my thoughts, not their intentions. Make sense? Okay, so we miss the reality and the beauty of the forest because we are diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. They're talking about early stages of what it's like to walk in the realm of the spirit when you see what really is rather than what you think it is because you've now got the plank out of your eye so you can see the speck in your brother's eye. Starting to make sense? Okay. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. I'm going to jump because I'm going to run out of time and I don't want to do that before we go into... 
I'm going to go all the way back to 56. We're going to talk about one of the early AAs, and we'll read his story, and we'll close. This is Fitz, correct? Okay, so our friend was a minister's son. Any preacher's kids here? Were you a shit show? <laughs> You're here. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> Stereotypical preacher's kid. Exactly, very good. He attended church school where he, began, he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, these calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. So this guy's a veteran, World War I. He comes back, his family's loony and all kinds of problems, and he's having PTSD, but back then they didn't know what that was. And so he's trying to drink away the demons, and he just find, and they're just inviting more in. Any of you know what his experience now? Okay. It says, one night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Look at the qualification. Having had a spiritual experience, an awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried. Don't try and carry the message to the alcoholic without some spiritual awakening. You can't transmit what you don't have. So he, he went to visit this guy having had a spiritual experience because that's all we have to offer. I don't have a process. They're not going to follow it. I don't even follow it. What I, I mean, I try, but only through the power, right? Okay. So it says, our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. That's what he declared. But later alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? You ever scream something out in anger, in pain, and then in self-reflection realize perhaps you overreacted? As soon as he did that, it says, while pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Any of you have some? Okay. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? Now, I did that on purpose because that's how our thoughts sound when it happens. He's alone in his room. He made his cry out. He showed his repentance, and he's testifying to you that all of a sudden, he got a visitation. If you read the book of Job, you'll hear a similar story. So that, what would you do if you heard that yelling in your thoughts? You want to see what he did? This man recounts that he tumbled out of his bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. The bridge to shore journey isn't going to the fellowship, guys. The bridge to shore journey is experiencing God and acknowledging God and accepting the calling. Yeah. 
Make sense? That's it. Thanks.